All right, I got like, we're going to fly. We're going to see, we're going to see how quick we can go through this. We are having communion at the end this morning. We usually would do it after worship, but I felt like I wanted to actually end my sermon on communion because I'm going to be talking with you about some things that have to do with it. So one of the things that I find is that we, every so often, uh, I have to go back and I have to talk about some things that we need kind of a refresher on. And because so many of you have not heard it, just curious, if you're in this room and you've been attending the church for six months or less, actually one year or less, raise your hand. Yeah, okay, good. Just getting an eye. It's great to have you. I, some of these things I haven't, I haven't shared with you, so I'm going to share them again. But one of the things that is unique about this church is, first of all, I think that it's a really positive church. Believe it or not, that can be pretty unique. <laughs> Sad, but it's very true. The many churches are very negative because how they see God is not so good. Okay, you're going to make me work for it. That's okay. I'll work for it. You're going to make me go for it this morning. Many people, because they don't see God right and they don't see the Lord clearly, it affects how they see everything. And I meet people, and they ask questions that are great questions. Never stop asking questions. Please ask the questions. But when I hear the questions, they help me gauge where people are at. And I hear some of the questions, and they're typically about things that are clearly states to me that we, we aren't seeing God the right way when I hear some of these questions. The problem can be is that if we don't read our Bible the right way, how many know we may not see God the right way? So a lot of people will be like, well... Especially new believers or young believers in Christ, they're like, well, if God's so good, why did he do this? And, and, and typically the church will be like, I don't know, but he's good. That, that doesn't cut it, guys. Like, like we, we got to have better answers than just, I don't know in the Bible, he's good. Now, there's some things I get. We don't understand, far be it for me to ever think I know everything about God, because that's not true. But I do believe that there's a lot of things in the Bible that we can hmm, get a little lazy about. And just say, well, I don't know, but he's good. I think maybe there's some answers that we could grab onto. And one of the things we've heard often is when people read their Bibles, they're like, well, if God's so good here, why did he, like, kill everybody there? And, and these are questions that how can you come before the Lord in his presence and, and fully think he's so good when in the back of your mind you think he could flood the earth again? Things you have to think about. Or if you think that, um, and I talked about this last week, had the opportunity to, to do some Q&A at our, at our guest luncheon. Um, if you think that things have to get worse for Jesus to come back, why would you ever believe for an outpouring of his presence? Because if I remember correct, Jesus came to get rid of fear. But we're teaching it back into people. Because it's easier to control people through fear than to raise up powerful sons and daughters. Parents, you know that's true. Fear only gets you so far with your kids, and then when they move out, they're like, see ya. We don't want to just raise them through fear. Because when you're not around, it's not going to work. We want to raise powerful kids. And God has the same heart for us that he wants to have powerful children. But we have to understand how this whole thing works. And so I'm going to talk to you about a couple things that I've talked about before, and I'm, I don't know how I'm going to get through it in the time I've got, so just pray that the Holy Spirit 
really helps me out this morning. But I want to talk to you just quickly about the idea of, of covenants in your Bible. Five or six years ago, maybe even seven years ago, I had never really paid attention to the to covenants. People don't talk about covenants. Our culture, the only time you hear the word covenant is when you're getting married. And we know from culture that that's even getting watered down. And so I don't even think that actually in our culture we have anything that's a very good representative of covenant. I would say the closest thing that I could find in the day that we live is, is maybe like some of, the, some of the blood brothers we see from the First Nations. They make covenants that are very different than what we understand a covenant as. But here's the thing. The Bible is written through covenants. You with me still? I'm going to walk you through as fast as I can. Your Bible is written in covenants. So I always tell people, I hear so many definitions of the Bible, and I don't know that mine's that great, but I call it like God's journey with mankind is one of the greatest things that I know. Some people say it's a manual for, you know, I don't like the name manual because a manual is for something when the creator is not there. So I'm not a big fan of the manual idea because I don't feel like I need a manual because he's always here with me. But I do believe that it's an account for the journey that God has had with mankind. And it's filled with the Lord. It's filled with wisdom. It's life. Amen? But everything in the Bible, if you read it, it can get confusing because you're saying, well, God is so good. And then, like, why did he just kill them? And so you have to begin to go down these questions of why is that the case? And so for me, I began to study and learn about covenants. And so I'm going to take you through that really quick and how these work. Basically, let's, let's flip to Genesis. Here's the one we're going to go for. Genesis 22. Genesis 22. The more you amen me, the quicker I'll preach. All right? Because if, if you get too, too quiet, I'm going to think I'm losing you. Then I got to work harder. So, or if you're just hungry, just amen all you want. Just, amen. All right. I want to show you just a couple different covenants this morning. And I want to show you mainly the one that we've been invited into, which is the better covenant. It's the new covenant. But I want to contrast it with a couple covenants. So let's, let's take a look at the one that... Um, here's a covenant that God made with Abraham. So Genesis chapter 22, verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord... That because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And as the sand on the seashores, your descendants will take possessions of their cities, of their enemies. And through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together. What happened here? God just made a covenant with Abraham. He just welcomed him into this covenant. He said that every person that walks the earth will be impacted because of your life. God basically said to Abraham, he said, Abraham, you've done what's right. He said, I am choosing you. It's a big day. This is a big moment in our history if you're a believer. God chose Abraham. (laughs) I want to show you something interesting, a story that actually I'll just kind of, you can look it up later, uh, Genesis chapter 20, we read a story that shows a little bit about how God operates in covenants. So we see where Abraham was coming into the land of Abimelech, and Abraham is married to this beautiful lady. 
We know that she's just beautiful. And Abraham is concerned that when he comes into this new land, this new territory, that the king is going to want his wife. And he knows that if the king wants my wife, what he's going to do is he's just going to kill me and take her. So Abraham had the bright idea, hey, you're going to be my sister for now. So he basically acted like she was his sister. And so next thing you know, she, just like he thought, the king takes his wife. And this is where things get interesting. Because God comes to this king. Now, God has already told Abraham, he said, if anybody is against you, I'm against them. So he has come into this covenant with him, and things are settled. And so here we got a problem. Someone took his wife. But I want to show you something because I don't think we often see the heart of God behind things. God, God so often would be in these different covenants in your Bible. There's the Abrahamic covenant. There's the Noahic covenant. There's the Davidic covenant. There's the new covenant. There's all these covenants. And so often you will see he comes into a covenant with them. But so often he has to play a role that's not his heart. And so here, this covenant has been made with Abraham. And he basically says that anybody that messes with you, that ain't going to happen. And so the king takes his wife. And so what happens? God appears to the king. And before the, before the king has even had a potential to touch Abraham's wife, God basically tells him, he says, I'm going to kill you for what you've done. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty big eye opener. When God shows up to you and says, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> now here's the thing. If God was this harsh God in heaven that was just, it was in his nature just to destroy, do you think that he would have come and talked to the king? You can see the heart of God trying to come through and give him an opportunity. And so what happens is that God comes, he talks to him, he says, I'm going to kill you for what you've done. Let's also realize the king has no idea that's even his wife. It's a rough day to be the king. The king's like, the king is like, this good-looking lady came through. This is how things roll. And the next thing you know, God's like, that's someone else's wife. I'm going to kill you. And he has no idea. He's just like, uh. <laughs> Surprise. So when, when this king was coming by and it was going to hurt Abraham's wife, God was obligated by his covenant to defend Abraham and his wife. Something you, now, now, he had the chance to restore his wife back to Abraham. But I want you to see the heart of God behind things. That's really why, because I'm going to bring you on this journey as quickly as I can. I want you to see the heart of the Father behind these things. Because here he is. To understand covenants, you really just need to understand this. The Bible, covenants are directly connected to righteousness. Like there's a direct connection. How many know that God... Is righteous. How many know that's not going to change? In your Bible, when you made a covenant, keeping your word meant you were righteous. This is before the cross. Things have changed, okay? We are in a better covenant, but in that time, 
the way that you were righteous was when you made the covenant, when you upheld the covenant. Remember what God said to Abraham? He said, you have done this thing. Good job. And he was in covenant. But the same thing goes for God. So he's on the other side of the covenant. And here he is. He's come into these, this agreement. I can't possibly teach you all this. I'm so sorry for opening up a can of arms. But he, he is, he's brought you into this, and there is a set of agreements in these covenants. And God can't break his side either, because if God breaks his word, he would be unrighteous. He can't break his word. For God to be righteous... He had to do what he said he would do. It was that simple. So God went to the king first and told him. He said, now, listen, I'm, I'm going to have to destroy you. You would think if God wanted to destroy the king, he wouldn't give him a heads up. This is major for us to understand, understand because... People read scriptures and they don't understand the covenant we're in. And we take scriptures all throughout the Bible and we grab them. I even meet people, it's like their life scripture. And I'm like, whew, that's a lot of pressure on that scripture. Like, you live in so much more freedom than you even know. I mean, you guys realize like the Mosaic covenant? Like, like where the Ten Commandments came from? Like that was the basis of the covenant. Moses went up on the mountain, got the basis of the covenant. These, these laws, they were 10, but eventually that became 613 laws. Just have fun sometime and go read them all. It is pretty funny to read them all. For all of you that have so much time just to sit down and read 613 commandments. But I was scanning through them this morning as I was preparing for this sermon, and I'm reading them. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, isn't it amazing how some people are still so drawn to try to hold on to this law? When God came and in the new covenant, and sorry, I'm jumping to the end of the book. He said, there's now one rule. One. Love others as he loves you. See, everything changed because it used to be, well, love is, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, that's rough if you have a bad day. I meet a lot of people that do not love themselves. They're walking through this journey of freedom, and they do not love themselves. And if your bar is to love everyone else as you love yourself, you're going to be in trouble. He said, here's the deal. Just love as I love you. What about all the commandments? You think those aren't included? (laughs) Love as I love you. I'm inviting you guys into such an awesome walk of freedom with the Lord when you understand this. Because I, 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 I had so much weight on my shoulders as I walked through this journey. I'm like, I'll never be able to be a good Christian. And I began to explore all this, and I began to understand things, and I began to hear in the scriptures that I'd always, and I'm not going to bring them all up, because if I just bring them up, I will just really be in trouble. And I won't have time to break it all apart. But things that I had held on to for so long, and I thought, how do I ever do that? I realized, wait a minute. That's not on me. I'm in this. It's so good. 
<laughs> I want you to see, I want you to understand when God, what this looks like when God enters a covenant. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And it was a really big deal when what we're getting ready to celebrate here at the end with communion. That was a really big deal. Because here he is, sitting at the table before he's crucified with his disciples. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to see the rerun of this one in heaven. Or he's just sitting there and he's like, all right, guys. He walks them through the process. This is my bread. And he says, this is my my blood in which there's going to be a new covenant. You see, they understood so much more clearly than we understand the idea of covenants. Like their language, they got it. They got it. We hear it, we don't understand it. So we don't pursue understanding. So then we hold on to things and we try to apply them to us that we're like, I don't understand how that works. You still with me, church? Thank you. Just making sure you're with me. In the new covenant, he promised us three things. Three things that he promised. He said he's sending a new prophet who will set a new covenant. And the new covenant, he says, he'll remember our sins no more. Oh, that's a big change. That's a big change from 613 rules of death. They lived in a time where it was like they could do nothing right. And following the rules was connected to being righteous. And he comes in and says, all right, here's the deal. I'm sending someone else. We're starting a new covenant. This one's on my terms. And here's the things that is going to be in it. The first one, when you repent, I won't remember your sins. I can't. I mean, I mean, I think we beat ourselves up for things, and he's like, what are you, what are you beating yourself up for? What are this? He's like, what are you talking about? But don't you know I What? He doesn't remember them. He's either telling the truth or he's not. And he's saying, I've wiped it clean. Oh, man, could you imagine them coming out of this, 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 this covenant and things were switching and all, I can feel the life filling the room when I read this scripture that's like, guys, things are changing. I'll remember your sins no more. Second thing, he says, you're going to be given a new heart. You're going to be given a new heart. The third thing was, he says, I'll give him, he was going to give us a spirit and we get to walk in his ways. <laughs> you understand, they had been living in a time where the Holy Spirit would like come upon somebody for something, a purpose. And lift back off. He's saying, no, you understand. Now the Holy Spirit will come upon you and rest on you and stay on you. And you'll walk in my ways. Do you realize what he just extended to them? If you were to quickly say it. He said, all right, new covenant. I won't remember your sins. Okay? I'm going to wipe them clean. When you you ask for forgiveness, I don't remember them. Two, I'm going to give you a new heart. So after we've wiped things clean, I'm going to put a new heart in you, which is going to be huge for you not making that mistake again. 
Three, I'm going to put my Holy Spirit on you so you get to walk in my ways with that new heart. And now you have a clean past. That's really, 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 really good. <laughs> like, like, do you understand how good this covenant is? When I say it's a good covenant, it's better. It's way better than you think. Like, it's way better than you think. <laughs> God would not break his word in these other covenants that, quite frankly, I don't think he enjoyed being in. I don't... I don't think he enjoyed killing his children. I'm serious. He did not want to. He, but when he came into covenant and he was brought into this, he had to uphold his word. He would not break his commitment. But now he's saying, I'm setting up a new covenant. <laughs> I'm jumping all over, but let's go for it. I'm taking like 12 pages of notes to two. <laughs> He's saying, here's the deal with the new covenant. So we've tried this thing before. This is John's interpretation. Like, we've tried this before, guys. This has not been great on my end. I didn't want to do these things. I mean, who wants to be the punisher? I mean, if you do, you need inner healing. Like, I, who wants to be the punisher? I, I always hate it when my wife's like, your dad, like, she's just at the end. She's like, your dad's, I'm like, oh, man, I got to be that guy? You know, like, I don't want to be the guy that has to deal with the hard stuff. And, like, God, God was like, he didn't want to come in and be the guy that was like, okay, they didn't do their deal, wipe them out. You see, you could already see things beginning to change when they came to that city. And remember, the, the, the disciples said, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? Something was already switching. He was beginning to teach them the model of heaven. He was beginning to show the prototype of the new covenant that was coming. And he said, you don't know what spirit that is. He was beginning to change things. And so he said, listen, I'm not going to be. I, I, the father was like, we're not doing this again. So here's the deal. Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to send my son. And what he's going to do is he's going to come and he's going to do all the stuff that we all know about. And he's going to die. And when he dies, he is establishing a new covenant. This new covenant is between the father and the son. What about us? You get to marry in. And you get all the benefits. Because he's saying, this covenant is between me and my son. And it's not going to be broken. It's not going to be messed up. But you get to marry into all of the benefits of this covenant. They're yours. He set up this thing where he was like, it's, it's that good. It's that good. When we take this communion... When we, take, when we do this time, when we remember the blood that was shed, we're remembering this exact thing. He was establishing a new covenant. He said, listen, when you take this in my blood, remember. Remember what I did. Remember what I did. God loves all humanity. God, God loves all humanity with a passion. And, and, oh, he just loves them. But the ones that, that when you put your faith in Jesus, 
That's, you, you understand, for you to come into this covenant, you have to put your faith in Jesus. You have to come into relationship with Jesus. And then when you become a child of God, you get all of this. <laughs> They're going from a lesser covenant filled with rules and records of wrongs into this new one that says, I won't even remember your sin. I don't think we understand this. Like, I don't think, I think it's really hard for us to understand God. I was listening, I was uh, listening this morning, I saw a little snippet on Facebook from someone preaching on David. It's like, man after God's own heart. <laughs> Do you know what David did? Like, like, did we all read the same Bible? Yeah. Like, like David, <laughs> this preacher was like, David wouldn't qualify for an elder in most churches. Like, he was not, according to our standards, he was not going to make the cut. Murderer, adulterer. I mean, we're not talking like he didn't give. Like, we're talking like, these are biggies, guys. God's like, you know, I like that guy. It makes no sense to us because we can't wrap our minds around how mercy-filled God's love is and how when he says, I've wiped things clean, he's like, I don't remember that. I do remember how much he went after my heart as a boy. See, he didn't say he wipes their history clean. He says that he wipes their sins clean. So you got David, and he is a royal screw-up at one point. But you see, the Lord wipes those sins clean. And he looks back and he sees that David as a boy in the field just, just playing his heart, worshiping the Lord. It's like, oh, I love that. Grew into a king of worship. He's like, I love this guy. That is hard for us to wrap our minds around if we don't understand how God thinks in this new covenant. Because what you'll do is you'll go grab a passage about sin that was from a covenant you don't live in and say, well, I'll show you a scripture. And we use our sword to attack our brothers and sisters. And we say, well, what about that? Well, that's, that's true. But can I tell you about what you live in? <laughs> can I tell you where you get to live? You get to live in a place where you have a new heart. You have his heart. You have his spirit. And you see, some things haven't changed. You see, when you enter this covenant with God, this better covenant, he still, he has a problem with your enemies. Yeah. Amen. Now, now, hold up, because you're going to be like, well, wait a minute. I'm confused again. He's still the same. He's still, whoever's against you, he's not for that. But he says that your enemies are not people. Your enemies are spirits and principalities. He clearly says that because if you think your enemies are people, we're going to have a problem because he's not going to go after people. <laughs> this stuff makes for a really happy church. Like when you get this, like you get really happy because you understand, first of all, 
It's not the person. There's something behind that. And God made it clear. He said, your problem's not with flesh and blood. The problem that's coming against you is spirits and principalities. It's important that that was established because when you're in covenant, he's also going to be standing in protection against that. But if you think it's a person, you're going to feel like he's not fulfilling his end of the deal. All right, let's wrap it up. I'm out of time. He's given you a new heart. He's given you his spirit. Oh, there's so much to talk about. Um, when Jesus came, he came to reveal the Father. Previous generations just didn't understand who he was. Matter of fact, I don't know if you knew this, but the Jews wouldn't even say God's name because of the fear they carried. Now, hold on. Think about this. They were afraid to even say his name. Remember when Jesus said, I'm going to teach you how to pray? He takes it. He blows it out of the water. He says, I want you to call him dad. Whoa. They're like, they were in such fear, they didn't want to say, God. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. He said, here's the deal. When you pray, say, hey, Dad. Great is your name. Wait a minute. They're coming out of fear. I'm scared of your name. He's like, no, 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 no. Great is your name. He reversed it. He completely shifted it. Jesus was telling these stories, his whole purpose, the whole time he was on the earth, all of the parables, we, we, I think we think they're all about us. If you really get to the root of so many of them, they're all about the Father. He was trying to reveal who the Father was. The, the parable about the Son, that's great and all, but it was really about the Father. It was really painting a picture. Jesus was taking this group of people that were so scared of Father God. He said, Let me show you his picture. And he walks them through the parable of the son who blows it and runs off. And he said, and he begins to show you this. There's a father standing on the porch. How did he see his son afar off? He was standing out there night and day waiting for his boy. This is anti what they understood of God. He's like, no, here's what God is like. He's out there just waiting and looking. You see, that's not what we're preaching when we're preaching that God is hanging you over hell with a rotten stick. We're preaching the same things back in that Jesus came to get out. He said, you don't need this fear. You don't need this. I'm trying to show you how good he is. And and then if we're not careful, we find ourselves retroverting back into fear. Uh Uh-uh. Don't go there. Get back out of that. And know how good he is. If we'll allow our view of God to be shifted and stop seeing him, and and we'll start seeing him through this lens of this covenant we're in, your entire worldview will change. I, I... 
it will change how you see everything. I meet people that are they're, they're so negative, and they share it with me like I'm gonna agree. Like, <laughs> I just I'm, I'm like I can't go there. I see how good it, he is. I hear I hear these I hear these crazy prophecies that are uh, I don't know who they're prophesying for. When they you know. That fires or earthquakes, all these things are God's judgment. You're not reading your Bible, guys. Yeah, I knew that'd get quiet. He's good or he's not. He's good or he's not. He doesn't have bad days. He's good or he's not. Micah, come on up wherever you're at. Here's where we're going to go. We're going to wrap up. And the scripture that I've had all morning, if I can find where I'm, which one, I think it's Ephesians. I believe it's Ephesians. <laughs> I opened up the Micah. It's kind of funny. It's goofy, I know. Sorry. He didn't hear me. I can say what I want. Oh, hey, Micah. <laughs> I love this passage of Scripture. Ephesians 3. I'll just read through 14 because it's that good. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray, that, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God.